2 Chronicles chapter 26, and begin reading in verse 5, and read on through verse 7, and then I'll pick out some other verses that I want you to look at with me as we go through. Uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, beginning in verse 5, the Bible said, And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. We're talking about King Uzziah here. In verse 6, And he went forth and warred against the Philistines and break down the walls of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod and built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines. And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians uh, that dwelt in Gerbal and in the Mahumnims. And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah and his name spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt for he strengthened himself exceedingly. Look at verse 15 and 16 with me. The Bible says in verse 15, And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name was spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. In verse 16, the Bible says, verse 16 through 21, But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he had transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that, a, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they thrust him out from thence, yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death, and dwelt in several houses, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. You may be seated. I share with you this morning a message called Great Faith, Great Fall. And one of the things is, is that you see a lot of times in the scriptures, people who start off well but don't end well. Well, this is the subject matter of one who started off well and it didn't end well. When you look at verse 1, it says, And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of uh, Father Amaziah. He built Eloth and he restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And notice the phrase, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And the reason I started in verse 5, because something happened. And God said, as long as he sought me, things went well for him. When he decided that he was going to allow his heart to be lifted up is when he fell. And so what I share with you, as uh, all Christians should understand, we have a faith, and there is a great faith. That great faith is that faith that trusts Jesus Christ when things are well, when things are not well. And when things are well, let's not forget who brought that to us. And so there's great faith here. 
The great fall is, is that when a man allows his heart to be lifted up, and when we lift up our own hearts based upon what we think we're doing rather than what God's doing through us, it can call a great, cause a great fall. And so we look here at Uzziah, this king, and he's noted for doing great things for the Lord and through the Lord, uh, and, but a man who then turned from God and he ended up in what I call a terrible downward spiral. And when we start focusing on self and we start focusing on what we're capable of and we start looking at it as if we accomplished it and God did not, a great fall is just on the horizon because we know pride is a terrible thing. Would you agree with that this morning? Pride can really get in our way of things. And, and we're taught in the scriptures a man who allowed pride to lift up his heart and it brought great destruction to not only him but to the nation of Israel as time went on. Now, there's a heritage in Judah and you read about the kings who did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord and those who did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And Uzziah started off well. He started off with he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. But those who did right, when they would lose sight of God, then something began to happen. And they began this road, this path, this idea that uh, I don't need God, that I can do this, and I'm responsible for all these things that took place. And so they take it upon themselves and head down that path. They begin trusting in themselves. Maybe they begin trusting in the riches that God had given unto them. Maybe they begin to trust in the valiant men that God has provided them. But that all leads to a downward spiral. We saw it in Saul's life. We saw it in King David's life. We see it now here in King Uzziah's life. You can see it throughout the scriptures of these men who allowed themselves to be lifted up. Now, as I share that with you, it doesn't matter what the status of a man or a woman is or the gains they make in life. The idea is, is whenever you turn your eyes away from God, you're almost guaranteed one thing, a downward spiral when you turn away from God. And, and, and as I looked at this, I thought, how does that principle apply to me today? Hey, listen, preacher, we're under grace. We're not under the law anymore. But I want you to know, grace is what God gives unto us, even though we do not deserve it at all, he gives it to us. And God shows his mercy toward us. Those things which we do deserve, he doesn't give to us. <laughs> and so we see today that this applies to us in this way. Well, not under the law, but under grace, will a man be brought low that has a high-minded spirit? The answer is definitely yes. Because God said that we are to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift us up, according to the scriptures. We are not to lift ourselves up or to lift up people above what Christ has done for us. So what I wanted to do is take a look at this journey that King Uzziah took, and we'll take a New Testament principle and we'll apply it here because it applies to us today. And whenever you look at how does that apply to us today, well, we'll make application for today because I can show you in the New Testament when a man becomes prideful, he's headed for a downward spiral. And so what we look at is the Lord overcomes the enemy and we see the steps of this man. The wonderful thing about it is, is while he was seeking the Lord, he prospered. <laughs> when he quit seeking God, the prosperity stopped and the reason that it stopped was because of his pride. And what we see is God not only prospered him, he strengthened him but whenever he decided that I am going to lift myself up before the people, that he went into the house of God and he began to burn incense on his own and the priest even came to him and said, hey, listen, knock it off. That's not your job. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. You don't come in and do the priest's job. You come in to help assist the priest, but you're not here to tell us what to do or how to go about it. What it is is that they entered into that place and when they entered in, he entered in with a prideful heart. 
and he decided the same thing that Saul did. How many of you remember King Saul in the scriptures? What is it that King Saul did that caused him to fall? Well, he went to make sacrifices, didn't he? And the same thing King Uzziah does here, only he goes in to burn incense unto the Lord, which was not his job. And he usurped authority over God. And so his heart was lifted up. So I want to talk about the prosperity. First of all, if you look at verses 5 through 7, he was a very prosperous king for a long period of time. And so what we see here, the Bible is talking about the fact that he prospered both uh, physically and also spiritually because he was able to overcome the enemy. And you know, when we talk about prosperity, this is not a prosperity gospel, but those who belong to God, I don't think God is forgetful of those that serve him with a faithful heart. And when we serve God with a faithful heart, he's very clearly uh, with us and as we walk with him. Does it mean that hardships won't enter in or that we might not end up with some tough consequences at times for circumstances that we enter into? Uh, Absolutely, those things will occur. But God is there to carry us through those times. And what it is, is that here, King Uzziah decided to usurp authority over God. Now, he was prosperous, and this is just not an outward action. This is an inward spirit of the man, and God knows the heart of every one of us. And so our faith is not based upon what we do that earns merit with God, but what we do does demonstrate our faith, that we have faith in Jesus Christ. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to have you turn to all these scriptures But there's some New Testament passages that I want you to get a hold of and you begin to understand what King Uzziah had done and how he went against God in this situation. And we can do the same because here's what we can do. We can think that our works are what kind of shows everybody who I am. And the reality is is that our works ought to show who Christ is. So whenever you get to James and we look at this, here's a New Testament principle for you. He said in James, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? So here's what he's saying. You can say that you have faith, but if you have no show of that faith at all, you need to recount whether you have faith or not. Now, faith is not what we have so that we can prove to others how great we are, but how great a God that we serve, and by faith we do these things. In other words, you come to Seedline and you help with Seedline, not so that we can put plaques on the wall about what you've done, but that we can get the Scriptures out and glorify our God and our Savior based upon what He's doing. Uh, The things that we do, we do them because we love God. Miss Fisher, you come up here, you play the piano. Now, if we just lift up Miss Fisher all the time and and glorify Miss Fisher, Miss Fisher will tell you she thanks God that she has an ability to do this. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. It's not her. Miss Ann, whenever she comes up here every once in a while, she'll get a little embarrassed because Pastor will say something, won't he? And it's not about Miss Ann. Miss Ann comes up and by a clean heart comes up and plays the piano or the organ with us. Amen? And so the spirit of these ladies are that this isn't about us. We're just here to serve God. (laughs) Even though they may be on the platform, even though they may be able to be uh, playing as they do and blessed of God to have those talents, that's a wonderful thing. But not that we might glorify them, but that they might glorify God through the talent in which he's given them. Are you with me this morning? They show their faith in God by what they're doing. So I challenge you with this. In Proverbs 18, 12, he said, Before destruction... The heart of man is haughty, and before honor 
Humility. Humility. As long as King Uzziah humbled himself before the Lord, God prospered him. (laughs) And so we look at this. As long as he did this, that's what occurred. Now here's the thing. What does prosperity mean to us? Well, today we think prosperity means uh, I got a lot of money. Am I right? That's pretty much what we think. If you're prosperous, you got money. Well, that's not what God was talking about. Or maybe we got riches and fame and notoriety and people know us and those kinds of things. Maybe that's what we think prosperity is. But I want you to hear this. I believe it's the hand of guidance from an almighty God. When I look to the scriptures and I see this, uh, and, and, and we're really out seeking God, seeking the Lord, seeking what God would have us to do. Listen to what the scriptures teach. You can write this down. Many of you know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, but what about 3, 3, and 3, 7 on either end of that? I want to challenge you as we look at this. God said, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. (laughs) Two things God said really need to be present in our life. And if we have a heart of humility, that is not going to be a haughty heart. It's going to be a heart of mercy and truth. (laughs) Because that is what God told us not to forsake. Remember to show mercy to others and remember to be truthful in your life. And the Bible says very clearly in this passage, write them upon thine heart, and so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God. That's when it comes. It's because of what God is. He goes on to say this, and this is the verses that most of you know. He said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall do something for you. What is it that he's going to do? He's going to direct your path. Now listen, can we take that New Testament principle and bring it right in here and apply it to verse 5? Absolutely. The Bible's so cohesive, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful how it just blends, whether it's Old or New Testament? I look at this and it says, And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Because he sought God in everything that he was doing. Now listen, What we think it is, is this. I'm going to go and tell God what I'm doing, and I need him to bless it, and when it goes wrong, I can come back and question God why it went wrong. (laughs) And the opposite of that is true. I need to take what I'm thinking about doing and asking God, should I do this? What is your will for me, Lord? And if God gives you the liberty to move forward with that, and I believe in the peace of God, by the way, there's the wisdom which cometh from above that's first pure, then peaceable, fully entreated, without hypocrisy. (laughs) That means God's not going to go back on it. And the fact is, is there is a wisdom that cometh from above. That wisdom which cometh from above is the peace that we receive. Now, here's what happens to us. Sometimes we receive that peace from God and we start to move forward and things start to go wrong and then we say, God, you messed me up. I did this and that. No, God's still trying to help you work through it. Just because it becomes a bumpy road doesn't mean it wasn't the will of God for you. But when that peace comes and even when the bumpy roads come, you go back to that time that you prayed and received that peace. I challenge you with this. He said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. You ready for this? 
Be not wise in thine own eyes. When I think I got it, that's when you're waiting for destruction to come. He goes on to say, he said, fear the Lord and depart from evil. So I want to tell you something. When he said, with your own eyes, you think you got it down? That's pride. That's pride. I don't care what you do for a living. When you think you got it, that's when pride starts to enter in. When you feel like you no longer have to rely on God for something, pride will enter in very quickly. You see what happened to King Uzziah? He didn't need to depend on God anymore because things were going well, wasn't it? He was able to defeat his enemy. He was strengthened. He had power. He had people doing things for him. And therefore, he didn't need God anymore. And it brought him to a place of destruction. <laughs> when you look to the scriptures, this prosperity is such a wonderful thing. By the way, I want you to know this. God was not impressed with King Uzziah's works. God's the one to let King Uzziah do the works. Amen? And he wasn't impressed with them. And here's the idea. Uzziah wholly followed the Lord and he wanted to complete God's will and God allowed him to prosper as long as he was fulfilling God's will. When he decided it was him, is when the destruction came. Now for us today, that enemy is the world, it's the flesh, it's Satan, and God gives us a truth to follow to be able to prosper in the New Testament. I want you to turn to the book of James, if you will. Keep your finger there. Turn to the book of James in the New Testament, chapter 4. New Testament, uh, James, chapter 4. If you're with me, say amen. amen. While you do that, I'm going to have my son go get me another bottle of water. I'm dried out today. Look at verse 6 with me. Everybody with me, say amen. amen. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the what? But giveth grace unto the humble. Doesn't he? A heart of humility is what God's looking for in service to him. When you look at verse 7, he tells us now here's the process that you go through. If I'm going to have a humble heart, I'm going to go through this process. He says now in verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God and do something. Resist the devil and what will happen? He'll flee from you. Now here's the thing. King Uzziah had a choice to make, didn't he? He could have said to himself, no, 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 no. I'm going to submit to God. I'm going to keep on doing what God wants. And I think the story would have ended differently for him. I don't think he would have ended up a leper and in bad condition. I think he would have been in much better shape than he did how he ended his life. And he goes on and he says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. So here's the thing. When we say that, open that up. When, he, when we say that, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you, he says this. He's not saying God is distant from us, but sometimes we're distant from God. Now, as long as he sought God, God prospered him. Are you with me now? As long as he sought God, God prospered him. Now, when we talk about prosperity, we're not talking about monetary gain. You see, in our minds and in our world today, we think it's fame, we think it's money, we think it's all those things. Hey, it could simply be just good health so I can maintain the things in which I have. Amen? Amen. It's not necessarily about gaining money or prosperity in that sense, or fame or notoriety. That's not what he's talking about. 
And so when we read the scriptures, he said, submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. He never said get into a fight with Satan. He said resist him. The way to resist him is to draw nigh to God. If King Uzziah wanted to draw nigh to God, he could have resisted the temptation of pride in his life. You see, we can't do those things apart from God. We must walk with God if we're going to resist those things that are going to cause us to go into that downward spiral just like King Uzziah. He then says this, Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify ye hearts, ye double-minded. What happened to King Uzziah is he became double-minded. He began to think, well, I'm getting this stuff from God and I've accomplished these goals and now it's all about me. And that is a double-minded man. A double-minded man becomes unstable in how many of his ways? All his ways when he's double-minded. This man became double-minded and he became unstable because he walked into the house of the Lord and began to do the job that was the priests were called to do. And they even rebuked the king for what he was doing and said, you can't do that. And he did it anyway. When we look at this, he says in verse 9, Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. He tells us there ought to be a spirit within us that realizes this is a heavy world in which we live. This place is full of sin and sinners, and God desires that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. And the role and responsibility that we have is not to make a name for ourselves or to make a name for Calvary Chapel or to make a name for the man that stood at the pulpit. It's to make a name for Jesus Christ in this community. Amen. That's what it's about. Amen. It's about who he is, not what we are. And we need to focus on him. And he goes on and he says this, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and what will he do? What will he do? He shall lift you up. When I got saved, I remember reading a verse, If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God was raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen? Here's what he said, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Just as confident. Amen. Amen? Amen? Same confidence that I can have in that. I look at King Uzziah, and he allowed the world and the flesh and Satan to get a hold of him for a moment. And when he did, it led to a great fall. All oh, before that, look at what God did for this man. And I just want you to be mindful of the things that God does for you. And I want you to be mindful before you allow pride to enter into your life. You ought to be a whole lot more thankful for what God has given us, amen? amen? And for what God does do for us each and every day. Hey, if you have monetary wealth, praise the Lord for it, amen? If you have a home and a roof over your head, praise God for it, amen? Anything, any gift, any ability that you have, you ought to praise God for that gift and that ability, amen? You ought to thank the Lord for what he has given you, for what you possess, for all things that you have. Believe me, God allowed that to enter into your life, Amen? And what it is, is we ought to be very, very thankful to our Heavenly Father. When I look at this, look at verses 8 and 15. He said in verse 8, And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah, and his name spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt, for he strengthened himself exceedingly. Now I want you to know, the Ammonites gave him gifts. Do you really think the Ammonites gave him the gifts, or did God allow the Ammonites to give him some gifts? Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from where? It comes from above. Hey, listen, God's the one that prospered this man. 
God is the one that began to strengthen him. Look at verse 15. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was what? Strong. <laughs> he was how helped? Marvelously helped. Now, I'm not going to go through and read all the other verses, but let me give this to you. God allowed King Uzziah to be strengthened exceedingly, and it was above his enemies. Our enemies today are the world, our own flesh, and Satan. Are you with me? And God, in his day, this problem still exists, but then there was this physical enemy coming up against him. And guess what God did for him? Well, if you were to look at verse 9, men to build fortified walls. God gave him men to build fortified walls. God gave us his word to put up the walls. We have our defense. He gave us the Holy Spirit which resides in us when you get saved, and then he gives us his word that helps build those walls. Amen? Amen. To help guard and protect us. What else did he do? He had men to build towers in verse 10. And so God gave him men to build these walls, and he gave him men to build these towers. In verse 10, he gave him men to dig wells, taking care of a physical need. Are you with me? Something that they might need, whether that be water to drink or to feed their, their animals. What else did he do? In verse 10, he gave him provisions for food. In verse 10, in verse 11 through 13, he gave him numerous men of valor to war against the enemy. And you look at the men of valor that he gave him, and here's God doing all this for this man, and the reason he did this for him is because he sought the Lord. <laughs> he sought God. God began to build a hedge about him. God began to build the walls and the towers, and God began to use these men, and God began to build all of this. In verse 13, he gave him power. Look at verse 13. And under their hand was an army, 300,000 and 7,000 and 500 that made war with mighty power to help the king against the what? God gave us the Holy Spirit to help us war against the enemy. If you're saved this morning, look at me. If you're saved this morning, the Spirit of God resides in you. Amen. He has given you the power to overcome the enemy. When I think about this, he gave him ingenuity. <laughs> You know, I, I don't know, Chris, it's, I, I think I looked this up, I don't remember, but I think it's the only time the word engines is used in the scriptures. He said it was a Ford, not a Chevy, by the way. So. <laughs> I get to do that because I'm standing up here. I feel bad for him now. I know he's a Chevy man. <laughs> here it is. It says he gave him ingenuity to defeat the enemy. Look at this. And he made Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men. God gave him wisdom to do something to defeat the enemy, didn't he? But he provided men to accomplish this. So what is it for us and what does that mean to you and me today? Well, in Ephesians chapter 6, some beautiful verses. I want you to think about this. Put on the whole armor of God. Now listen, that's not just a Sunday school lesson for kids. He said, put on the whole armor of God, and here's why. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. God gave him something. He said, listen, you put on the whole armor of God. Now listen, 
in that, in verse 13, and I'm just I'm jumping to 13, he said, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. When I'm talking about the armor of God, we're talking about the Word of God. It's His Word. And whenever you take this and you put it on, how do you put this on? You ever think of that, Brother Darrell, when I read the Scripture sometimes, I'm like, how do I put this on? How am I going to put on the Bible? I put it on by following its truths, putting them into application daily. Whenever I'm presented with situations or I'm presented with trouble or if I'm presented with problems or if I'm presented with an attack, how do I overcome that? Well, I know what this says, but knowing it and putting it into practice are two different things, isn't it? And to be able to do it, I must know it, first of all, but number two, really putting it into practice is a whole different thing. And so just because I know doesn't mean I can do. Now, I want to share something with you. I, I love football, and I was really a big fan of professional football. When, when, when I would think about these men going out on the field, there are a lot of young men who were dynamic in college. I mean, they were incredible football players in college and could not make it in the NFL. They would maybe be there for a year or two and just falter. They didn't know how to follow what the leader was sharing with them. They didn't know how to continue on. And I'm not talking about injury. I'm just talking about they couldn't play at that level. And what it is is they come and they've been great uh, football players for college, but they get to the pros and they're just not good enough. When I think about this, God makes us good enough to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil by putting on his armor. Hey, I want you to know it doesn't say that I put on my armor. He said put on the whole armor of who? God. It belongs to him. That armor is his armor, amen? And when I put on his armor, I'm able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I do all to stand. Now, when he says that, to do all to stand, that means that I, by the power of the Holy Spirit, open the Scriptures, read the Scriptures, and begin to apply the Scriptures so that I am able to stand against the wiles of the devil, submit yourselves therefore to God, and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Amen. That's what my God's capable of doing. And so I look at the Scriptures... He tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Amen? Though we, we're in the flesh, we don't war. We're, that's not the battle. You see, if you go back to, uh, back in Ephesians, and you read in verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and what? Blood, but against principalities, right? Against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Listen, it's not a flesh battle anymore. It is a spiritual battle that every one of us face. Oh, and we need the strength of God. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through, the, through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Where is my strength? It's in my God. My God is the one that has the ability to tear down the stronghold. I do not. You see, it's the same is true of Uzziah in his day. He was not able to overcome these enemies. He overcame these enemies by the power and strength of God. And we do the same thing today, and we're able to overcome by the power of God. And he says, casting down imaginations. Now he gets into how we accomplish this. 
How do you accomplish this? How do I take and get out of this carnal way of thinking and get into this spiritual mind? He said, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every, into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. How do we overcome it? By the power of God. <laughs> Cast out those things that are usurping authority over God. Get rid of those things. And then he tells us this, and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. He said, get rid of the disobedience in your life and fill your life with the obedience to God. And if you love me, you will keep my Amen. commandments. Amen. Hey, we're under grace, not under the law. Well, that doesn't mean I get the privilege of breaking all the law because I'm under grace. 1 John, would you turn there with me? Chapter 5. 1 John, chapter 5. When you're there, say amen. Amen. Look at verse 1. Make sure I'm in the right place. Don't sit and go along for 10 minutes and tell me I'm not. 1 John 5, 1 through 5. The Bible says, Whosoever believeth. Am I on the same page? Everybody on the same page with me? He said, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. I want you to read that with me again. Whosoever believeth, right, that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. I want to talk to you just real quick. This is a parenthetical thing, okay? We're just going to put parentheses around this for just a minute. If you don't believe Jesus Christ is God, you're in a false religion. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is God, you're involved in a false religion. The Bible says, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of who? God. <laughs> now we'll move back to the message. He said, and everyone that loveth him, that beget loveth him also, that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? <laughs> if you want power, if you want power, if you want strength in your Christian life, you need to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Amen. You will not have the power nor the strength to live this life to its fullest and have the joy of uh, given up to every believer. And without Christ, that will not happen in your life. But with Christ, we have the power. Amen. And God gives it to us. And we are just as equipped to overcome our enemies as King Uzziah was. And he was fighting both physical and spiritual battle. And today, we're in a spiritual battle. And the way to overcome the spiritual problems that we have, his name is Christ Jesus. <laughs> you got to turn to him. Amen. He'll strengthen you. As I thought about this, we must trust Christ daily to help us overcome. You know, every day in our life, we're in the world. <laughs> this flesh is still with us. And God said Satan is the prince and power of this air. Are you with me? Yeah. We're still in this world. We still have this flesh. 
And the Bible says that Satan is the prince and the power of this era. Are you with me now? So if we want to have the power to overcome this, we better rely upon our Savior. Now, I'm going to give you some verses, and I want you to turn to 1 Peter with me, and I want you to look at what God teaches us about how to overcome this. God teaches us in 1 Peter chapter 5. And I'm going to start at the latter part of the verse. Everybody with me say amen. In, in the uh, second part of this verse, he says, be clothed with humility. How many of you are with me? Yep. You with me? Yep. Everybody with me? Yep. Chapter 5, verse 5. Be clothed with humility. You there? Yep. Drop down about halfway. You'll find it. How many of you are with me now? Say amen. Yep. Amen. He said, be clothed with humility. Here we go again. For God resisteth the what? Proud. Proud. Now watch this and give us grace to the humble. Now notice this. <laughs> humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in what? All. Due time. Isn't that something? What are we to have? We're to have humility, aren't we? We're to have humility in our lives. When you look at this, he said, humble yourselves. Now listen, he goes on and makes some points. He said, casting all of your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now wait a minute. See, we like to disconnect things in the Bible sometimes, don't we? Don't we like to do that? We just like to like kind of disconnect the verses? Because I like what this one says, but the one prior to that, hold on a minute. That puts pressure on me. So preacher, I like that whole idea of casting all of my care upon him for he cares for you, but brother, come on, this whole humility thing, you got to be kidding me. It's part of it, isn't it? When I look at the scriptures, he said that he may exalt you in due time. He goes on casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. He tells us something. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may what? He's out to get you. <laughs> Are you with me? Listen to me again. We're in the world. Are you with me? We're in this world. We still have this fleshly body. Are you with me? Amen. And Satan is the prince and the power of this era. Are you with me now? King Uzziah dealt with the same thing that we deal with today. And there he was that God had prospered him, God had strengthened him, and he's coming to this place where he lifts himself up, and yet God said, in due time, I will exalt you. Isn't that what he told us? Believe me, that principle still applies in his day. We were not to acknowledge ourselves above God or above Jesus Christ. It's not the way that it works tells us in this passage that we are to exalt God and God will exalt us in due time. And he goes on and he says, whom resist steadfast in the faith. And go on down and he says, but the God of all grace, the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after he had suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. <laughs> the same thing he was doing for King Uzziah. The very same thing he was doing for him, he promises that to you and to me today. That same promise still exists. Amen. And it requires that you start by knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. It continues on as you begin to exalt the name of our God. 
As you draw nigh unto God, he draws nigh unto you. As you cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Listen, God says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. He tells us in this passage that by the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. God is the one that does this. And in James chapter 4 and verse 6, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth more grace unto the whom? Humble. <laughs> you see, King Uzziah was strengthened, but he was strengthened by the hand of God. And when he began to lift himself up, this is where the sad part comes. You see, a heart of humility in a man or a woman is someone God can choose to use. And he can strengthen you spiritually as you by faith trust in him in the midst of all of your troubles, don't turn your back on God. In the midst of all of your successes, don't turn your back on God. He's the same in your trials and tribulations as he is when you're on the mountaintop. Don't forget to glorify him. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Amen. You need to know him personally. Now I want to share this last thought with you. Pride will cause a man to assume the authority of God. Pride will cause a man to assume the authority of God. Satan did it, didn't he? You go to Isaiah and you look. And we see five I wills, don't we, in chapter 14. And you go and you read that, and five times Satan was trying to lift himself up above God. Anytime you go to the Scriptures and you begin to look into the Scriptures and you begin to see a man lifting himself up, he falls, doesn't he? And the reason is they're trying to usurp authority over God. When you go here and you look at this in verse 16, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up, to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Verse 21, And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death. Something happened, didn't there? For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also what? Reap. Now I want you to know, there's good and bad to that. We always think consequences are always bad. Sometimes consequences are good. You do right, and God can do some things for you. When you do wrong, how do you expect him to bless you when you do wrong? You say, well, we're under grace. We're not under law. That's not what I said. If you love me, keep my what? Amen. Commandments. That's in the New Testament. And so we see that we're to still hold true to the word of God. King Uzziah did well, and yet the day came when he said he was strong and his heart was lifted up to his destruction. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And what happened to him? He came crumbling down, didn't he? How do you overcome these things? Well, as a Christian, you must continually turn and praise the Lord. I believe no matter what you have, you ought to thank God for it. Or even the lack thereof, you ought to thank God for it. My pastor used to tell me, he said, Bob, it's better to want what you don't have than to have what you don't want. You ever been in those shoes? <laughs> Huh? It's better to want what you don't have than to have what you don't want. Now, if that's never happened to you in your life, praise God. I understand it clearly. <laughs> I understand exactly what that means. Sometimes we go out and we look at that new car 
and we like the way it smells, and we like the way it looks, and we like the way it feels, and we like the way it dries, and we like the fact that it, I'm not going to have the maintenance for a while, and I like all these wonderful things. And then at the end of the month, Mr. Bill comes talking. And when Mr. Bill comes knocking, what happens to you? Ooh. Now, the first one, I might be able to get past it, but the second one means no Pizza Hut, no Lee's Chicken, no in-between, no nothing, right? I get nothing now. You know why? Because here comes Mr. Bill again. And yet, <laughs> I want something, didn't I? Now, when I share that with you, Anything that you have, you ought to praise the Lord for it, and anything you don't have, you ought to praise God for that as well. And, and, and you look at this. Never come to the place where our hearts are lifted up, where it leads you to destruction. Leave it behind you. Now, here it is. We're warned often in the New Testament about being heady, high-minded, prideful, and, and any, of those, any of those folks lead to a downward spiral. Any of those thoughts lead us down that path and away from God's power. What does pride look like today? What's it look like today? Turn to 1 John chapter 5, and I'll be finished with this, folks. 1 John chapter Sorry, 1 John chapter 2. I apologize. 1 John chapter 2. Did I say chapter 5? I had something else in my mind. I know what I wanted to say, but I'm going to leave it alone. 1 John chapter 2. Everybody with me? Say amen. Amen. Everybody's in chapter 2 now? Amen. Amen. Not chapter 5, chapter 2. The Bible says in verse 16. Everybody there? What does pride look like today? You ready? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What's it look like today? Looks like the world, doesn't it? What's it look like today? The have and the have-nots. What's it look like today? What I want and what they have. What's it look like today? Well, it's pride. Look at what I've accomplished. Look at what I've done. Look at my position. Look at my title. Look at where I am. Look at what I've done. It's pride, isn't it? And the reality is, as we teach the world that, we're teaching our kids that. And, and, and what the Bible says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, you ready for the next phrase? Look at what it says. Is not of the world. Father. Right? It's not of the Father, is it? How many of you are with me? Amen. Do you see that? So those three things, those prideful things are not of the Father. But notice the next phrase. <laughs> What's it say? But is of the what? The world. World, the world. Isn't it? It's of the world. Now notice what it says next. Brother Steve, this just rivets my soul when I see this. And I think about how hard people work to gain and have and material things and all that kind of stuff. Watch what it says next. It says, and the world passeth away. <laughs> God just put it real simple, didn't he? He said, hey, all that stuff that you think is so important, guess what's going to happen to this world? It's going to pass away. Now notice this. And the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth how long? 
Let's go back to King Uzziah. As long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. Are you with me? Was it all fame and notoriety? No. Was it all riches? No. No, God prospered him because he was protecting the nation. And as long as he sought the Lord, God did things for him. It's when his heart was lifted up that he took that downward spiral. Now think about this. Its form really doesn't matter. What does it look like in your life today? What's pride look like in your life today? You know, if you ask God, he'll reveal to you where you're being prideful in your life. I promise you that. He'll reveal to you where the pride is. And when he reveals to you where it is, that's where you need to submit yourselves there for to God and resist the what? The devil. You need to let that stuff go, right? What do you do with that? You draw nigh to God. (laughs) If I draw nigh to him in that situation, what is he going to do for me? He's going to draw nigh to me, isn't he? And then at that point, I come to that place where I cleanse my hands, right? And I purify my what? My heart. You see, my pride should cause heaviness of heart. Would you agree? My pride should cause me to drop low. My pride should say, you know what? I need to get rid of this. And then as I humble myself in the sight of the Lord, what is it that he'll do? He'll lift you up. You see, King Uzziah missed it, didn't he? Hey, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. God prospered him. God strengthened him. And Uzziah took God's glory away from him. Don't rob our Savior of his glory. Great faith? Oh, yeah. A great fall. Don't fall into the trap that Satan's trying to draw you into. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. In a moment, I'm going to give an invitation